Welcome, everyone. This is um, Imani Mamalushin, and I'm super excited about this new series that we're launching, Power to the People, with our mastermind group and bringing in some of the most seminal, amazing truth voices out there today. We're just coming off an incredible event here in Utah. It was with some of these beautiful people there. And we have been talking in our mastermind group about what I feel is one of the most important conversations, particularly for me being a mom, um, having raised and homeschooled six children over the past three decades. This is a topic that's sort of near and dear to my heart. And we really wanna take this opportunity to break down, deconstruct, like everything else that's going on in the world, deconstruct the educational system. We know we're taking everything down to the ground, um, the healthcare systems, we know the economic systems, and I think one of the most important is the educational systems and looking at the future for our children, the future and the current moment that is what is happening to our children right now, what we as parents can do. So we're going to do this series. We have another one coming up um, following it. Actually, we have two more that are going to be back to back because we have a lot to share with you. We have a lot that we want to say. Um, and I think that this is a really important timing as we move into looking at how we're going to be managing our children's futures um, as parents. And I just want to be clear in articulating that as parents, this is our responsibility. And I can speak as a mother of many um, and really invite parents to take this information that we're going to share and look at it as something that we, the, we, the people, we, the parents have the power and the right as, as sovereign people to choose the future uh, for our families. And so we're going to start with you, Pam. I know many people are aware of what you're doing, Make America's Free Again. And, you know, one of the things that has, you know, among all the other things that you're doing, for me, the piece that you're doing around education and what you're offering families is really important. So obviously in your website, there's a lot of resources, makeamericasfreeagain.com. But can you just open up the conversation specifically to let's just create the context of what we're going to dive into? Yeah. So um, we've built this huge network of groups all over the country. We call them Thursday groups, but they meet on other days, too. And um, and we think that one of the things we know that one of the things we're going to do is get these groups and the growing number of groups involved in addressing what I think is a little bit of a crisis situation with our children. I started getting emails from people about the college situation. And I don't know if you noticed, I'm sure you did. Things were loosening up, except all of a sudden the colleges lower the boom. You must get vaccinated in order to do in-person learning at school. And if not, you walk around with masks, tests and all this. And a question I got asked is, how did this happen? Like all of a sudden, did they have some big meeting and do this? Well, actually, what happened is the American College Health Association is actually funded by the vaccine makers and um, has been preparing them to do this for a long, long time. And so it got me thinking, you know, there's probably something like this going on for K through 12. There's some organization, right? Lo and behold, just in time for this event that we're doing right now, I got an email from one of our clients who happens to be in the Pickerington school system. Pickerington is a tiny little suburb of Columbus. And uh, basically what this email told me, or it revealed to me is that 
The American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 was signed into law by Biden in March of this year, and it allocates its $1.9 trillion bill. They're literally printing money, as we know, in Washington, D.C., and a significant amount of this money. Um, it's uh, I can give you the exact amount. Uh, $122 billion in grants is being given to the schools specifically for the COVID nonsense. It doesn't say COVID nonsense. That's what I call it. All right. And, um, and it's one of these use it or lose it type of things. Now, this tiny little suburb called Pickerington got $6.1 million for COVID related stuff. And you either take the money and use it for this or give it back. It's not like you can say, well, our kids don't need the social distancing and helmets on their heads. So we're going to spend it on textbooks and rebuilding the playground. You don't get to do that. You have to spend it on this stuff. So what's happening is parents are going to be faced with a big decision about what they're going to do this fall. And as if that isn't bad enough, there is, I, I just got an email between our last meeting and now that North Carolina does not have an age cutoff for uh, ability to consent, children ability to consent to um, uh, vaccination without their parents. They, they base it on any adult's perception of the maturity of the child. So I guess theoretically, if you've got a nine-year-old with a big vocabulary who carries herself well, she could say, I'd like to get a vaccine, and somebody at school would be willing to give it to her. And so um, it is going to be time for parents to make some tough decisions. So what we're doing is we're setting up a machine. We did this last year. We helped tens of thousands of families find ways to educate their children, alternative to sending them back to school. We're gonna do it on steroids this year. And we're gonna have conference calls almost every day. We're gonna have private coaches, whatever it takes to help parents find something comfortable to do with their kids that does not involve perhaps participating in this nonsense that I just outlined. I don't think it's a psychologically safe environment for children. And I think that um, uh, I think that parents, if they send their children, are going to determine this you know, fairly early in the school year. Some probably will withdraw their kids before that. So, so that's basically what we plan to do. And we'll spend 24-7 to help as many families as we can all over the United States and all 50 states. So grateful for what you're doing, Pam. And there's a couple of things we're going to dive a bit more in um, with Eric and Larry as far as the psychological aspects, because that's huge. And I think we've become a little bit numbed out to it because there's just so much bombarding um, people that some of this stuff is becoming normalized, which is really bizarre. But the other thing that you just touched on was the money piece. Now, I remember when we first decided to do this topic, we were talking about you know, and this again, power to the people. When we, the parents, choose not to participate in a system, in this case, the educational system, what happens from the dollar standpoint? Now, there's these schools are getting flooded with monies, um, with targeted to be used for a specific cause. But um, because we know that if we go to the schools, and I haven't, you know, participated in that process because none of my children were were in schools in that way, where I was going as a parent, thinking I could have a dip, make a difference. But break down that a little bit before we kind of dive into the psychological piece of it, of yeah. what the, the, money, the money part of it. I know you're good at explaining that. Yeah. So th there are two, two levels of money part of it. I mean, there's no question that enrollments drive some of this type of funding. And enrollments determine um, how much money you get from the state and from the feds. I mean, this reimbursement scheme for schools is everything but local, and that's a big problem. I'm 64 years old, so when I was in school, local 
people funded the school and they had a lot of control over the school. Now money comes from all over the place, right? So in the long term, I think that there will be some consequences for massive withdrawal from schools. One of those consequences will be unemployed teachers. And the reason why this can become significant is right now, um, there's quite a bit of evidence about teachers um, working with the Centers for Disease Control. They like these kinds of restrictions. One of the reasons, I'm not talking about all teachers. I know some wonderful teachers who are furious about all this. They want to go back to teaching kids the way they were trained to teach kids. I, I talked to one of them over the weekend who's a neighbor who's furious about all this. But, but I'm talking about the in general. The teachers like this. It allows them to not have to work very hard, teach from home a lot of times, pass the kids. I don't know if you know this, but the rule was everybody passes this past school year, um, no matter what. If the kid showed up for one Zoom session and you never saw that child again, you passed him on to the next year, which is horrible, right? But uh, but but the bottom line is that um, it's going to take a while for the effect of that to set in, Right. And so what we have to do is we, it's by, by August 15th or the 20th or whenever school starts, we're not going to be able to create enough of a negative impact with school withdrawal to get the school to say, oh, well, now that we see how much the parents are against it, we're going to have to change course. That's going to happen over time. And I think the thing that we can look forward to, and I would love to see this happen, is the schools coming back to the parents and saying, what do we have to do to get your children back in school? And the parents will be in the driver's seat for the first time in a very long time. But that is not going to happen this summer. It certainly is not going to happen with all this money on the table. Um, Six million dollars for the city of Pickerington. I'll tell you what that probably means. I bet New York gets a half a billion. I bet the Columbus City schools get $150 million, right? So that, that's, that's intoxicating. Money is intoxicating to government-run institutions, and they're not going to turn it down in the interest okay. of doing the right thing for your child or children in general. Great, great point. Segue for you, Eric, to hop in and kind of share what, um, one, I know you've been met up with those two moms in Iowa. I think that situation there, but also just kind of piggyback on what Pam's saying, what you're seeing from that perspective with the school systems. Well, Amani, you're 100% right. And and I've I've been to multiple school district meetings over the last 14 months trying to navigate what's going on. And, and to Pam's point, it really truly is, they're almost immune to any conversation or discussion or concerns from the parents. I mean, literally, they have the uh, the minds made up of what they're going to do prior to us having our opportunity to speak, and, and that's not okay. Um, you know, all I can speak to is what I've experienced, and, and a couple things have been an amazing experience over this last 12 to 14 months with the schools, and and one of them was the conversation I just had recently with the family from Iowa that you were talking about, Imani. I mean, think about this for a minute. You know, a lot of us do are doing what we're doing because we want to help the future. We want to help our children. I have three kids of my own. And think about this story. There's a, a little girl, a five-year-old girl from Iowa. And this five-year-old girl, you know, kindergarten, first grade age. I mean, I mean, so innocent, right? This little girl was having uh, repeated infections. I mean, literally, you should have seen the pictures of her face. Every time she wears a mask, she would get a uh, an infection and an outbreak. And her pediatrician went and petitioned the school board. Literally, they sent the pediatrician to petition the school board to get her an exemption. She got the exemption. This little five-year-old girl got an exemption, Imani. And when she went back to school, she was bullied and mask shamed. I mean, she was literally bullied by teachers, uh, by by students, 
um, you know, all telling her that she's a you know dirty girl because she doesn't have a mask. And and think about what that does for the psychology of an adult, let alone a five year old. So then they they had a decision to have this little girl be at school without a mask in the the principal's office, and she's literally in a cubicle uh, in the principal's office every day, not having. Um, you know, lunch with their friends, not having recess. I mean, think about what that does from a psychological standpoint and how the school board or anyone would allow that to think that that would be okay is just absolutely beyond me. And so this little girl now, I was talking to her parents just the other day, this little girl now is in therapy because because she was bullied so bad. You know, and, and we just, you know, we've had this whole campaign of stop bullying and 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 my body, my choice and all this stuff going on. Don't you think it's a bit bipolar or a bit oxymoronic that we're we're seeing this in the school? And then another thing I'll tell you, which which is absolutely absurd, is you think about this is these are schools, right? It's an educational system, right? It says it says in one of my favorite books, without knowledge, my people will perish. And and the problem is, is that these schools are spreading more mis and disinformation than, than the mainstream even is. Uh, f- for example, so I'm a practicing physician here in St. Louis, and I had a parent come into my office who is the parent of a, a son. His boy is going to be a senior in high school. And they got a letter from their high school football coach saying that in order to participate in summer uh, camp for football, uh, we require all of our participants to get vaccinated or else we won't let them go uh, to football camp. If they don't go to football camp, it says in there that they won't be playing football next year. And this this kid is a senior literally trying to play for a college scholarship. He has legitimate medical reasons and also philosophical beliefs why they do not want to get these injections, let alone that they're not FDA approved and you can't mandate them. So, so the parent came in to me. So here's what happened. Imani, I called school and I said, hey, I'm just trying to play, you know, mediary here on this because I don't think you know what you're stepping in. And this parent is absolutely, uh, you know, extremely uh, ecstatic about what's going on here in a bad way. And there's going to be some legal actions. And by the way, did you know, uh, school, that if you guys are requiring this, you may be actually held liable for that? Did you know, school, that if you're doing these things? So we just educate them on a couple, two or three points. And I'm not kidding you, within about 30 minutes of that conversation, um, while this parent was in my office, he goes, you're not going to believe this. They just sent out an email to the entire school saying that, sorry for the confusion, these are not mandated, but we but we we suggest that you get them. I mean, it's all about words have meaning, right? And and so that didn't happen because a lawsuit was filed, and that didn't happen because we went to the Capitol. That just happened because we started educating the school board and and school officials on the rights of students, the rights of people, and what type of liabilities they had. These schools were making these decisions, Amani, without without even consulting their own legal counsel, which I thought was absolutely crazy. People are making decisions right now based off of their own opinions and their emotions based off of logical reason and law. So I just think it's important for parents to start thinking about that because there are a lot of things that are happening in these school systems right now that are just uh, absurd. Well, this is the indoctrination and actually the whole reason schools were created in the first place to kind of train our children. But I think we have generations of adults who have also been indoctrinated who don't understand as parents um, what the choices and power that we do have. So I think it is a de-schooling is really not just the way that we're going to educate our children, but it's a process that we go through as parents that we actually have to like deconstruct that and understand that we do have um, choices 
And I, so many parents don't think they have choices around the vaccinations and that's why the vaccination schedule has gotten insane. And so many people don't think they have choices around what happens to their children in school. The fact that these schools and the, actually think that they're, I mean, Pam, what, what did you say that they're mandated, like that they can, how do we break that down, Eric? You, we were just talking about this. We had a, our own live stream before this one about the schools could actually vaccinate a child without the parent consent. Well, Imani, what that, uh, again, the World Health Organization even came out with a statement saying that in certain situations and circumstances, that, that uh, being a child being at school is implied consent that if a child could articulate well enough that they could get the vaccine, that they could tell the school official that, yeah, no, I'm nine years old. I'd like to get the vaccine. Thank you very much. And they could get it. I mean, what kind of world are we living in where, first of all, we don't know the long-term studies, the long-term results, because by definition, long-term hasn't happened yet. So just that simple thing alone, um, you know, is, is telling us that. And I think it's, you know, I think it's, again, words have meaning, right? And, and the disinformation is out there to confuse us. That is a tactic. So when the WHO says in certain situations, uh, you know, schools can vaccinate children, then they said in certain situations, children shouldn't be getting vaccinated. So it's so people are very confused on what's really going on and they can't get a straight answer one way or the other. Uh, and that's, you know, when we're confused, we get analysis paralysis. And it, when we live in fear, we have to do something that we think is going to help us uh, protect ourselves or break out of this fear mode. And a lot of times following lockstep with, you know, letting your child get a vaccine from the school nurse or something might be something that an uneducated or uninformed uh, parent might be okay with. I don't know. Yeah, and and we're definitely Renette can break that down of like how this happens and how we get here. I want to go back to the psychological um, piece of how these children are getting impacted and bring you into the conversation, Larry, from what you see with your families and the long term effects. I mean, because this is obviously, I think generating more concern with people that might not have known previously that they had, um, you know, might, we're not questioning things, but now are starting to question things because it's getting so insane. Well, Imani, in, uh, in June 13th, 2019, New York State removed the religious exemption uh, in, in New York for children to be able to go to school without vaccinations. And what happened after that was a flurry of activity. One, parents moved out of New York. Number two, parents decided to give their kids the shots anyway. Number three, parents um, decided to homeschool their children. And it was one of the first times that you saw a, a mass movement of parents who understood that they did not have to engage in a system that wasn't interested in the health of their children as much as they were interested in the health of children and in the ways in which the parents were interested in the health of their children. And so this has happened around the country as well. And from, from what I've seen, schools have become a round hole and children are more of the square pegs. And more and more, the state has been infusing its policies and its takeover of parental authority over what the children should know, shouldn't know, should see, shouldn't see, what health uh, requirements they should have and what health requirements they shouldn't have. And so the, the parents 
a lot of them are so anesthetized to the damage that's happening in the schools by the state takeover of the school system, the educational system, the social system, the, the, um, the psychological system, the medical system. They become so anesthetized that they don't realize that there are options for their kids. And they're realizing that the state-run schools have become very cold and not very compassionate or empathetic to what the needs are of individual children um, and what the needs are of the families. And the, the hope is that the parents can start taking some of their authority back once they realize how much of their authority they've abdicated to the state uh, in favor of the state running what the child should and shouldn't do, say, uh, get, not get, uh, think, not think. And, you know, critically thinking in school has, you know, diminished over the years. And children are just being force-fed a lot of information that they're being told is correct and not given as much of an opportunity. Now, granted, there are schools that are doing it correctly. There are schools where there is education true education, critical thinking, analysis, you know, looking at all different ideas. But we've lost the ability in our country, and it siphons through the school systems, for, uh, the, for us to be able to see through the eyes of the child and what the child needs, or see through the eyes of the families and what the families need. And it's become pretty much black and white, state-run this is, uh, this is the way it has to be medically. This is the way it has to be scholastically. This is the way it has to be um, uh, mentally, psychologically. And the parents have lost their ability to do anything about it because they don't think they have any opportunity to do anything about it. And finally, the parents are waking up. And I'm grateful to that because if anything speaks in this country, it's money. And if, as Pam said, if parents stop enrolling their kids in a system that isn't looking out for the best interest of their children, then the schools are going to notice. But the school system in the state actually has this idea that all they can do whatever they want because everyone is going to fall in line. And so they don't have to worry about their policies being restrictive or dominating or, um, you know, overbearing because they think everyone's just going to be stupid enough to fall into place. You know, when a parent says to me, I can't fathom putting these toxins into my children because I know the damage that these toxins can do, will do, and have done to children's brains and immune systems. But then when they come upon a school that they think is really, really great for their kid, they want to find a way to start vaccinating so their children can enter that school system, knowing full well that their children may not be the same neurologically or immunologically after that. But yet they're willing to bypass their heartfelt, deep line in the sand, knowing that this may impair their children forever just for the sake of what the state is offering them. And their children may not necessarily be the same after that. And so the psychological warfare on these parents is to actually realize that, that the round hole is not something that they have to squeeze the square peg into. And hopefully we can start showing parents that there's another way to educate their kids. And lastly, 
This idea that children won't be able to socialize unless they go to school is something that needs to be teased out and worked through so that parents can be educated to understand that socialization can happen in many ways outside the conventional uh, restrictive educational school system. Love that you brought that up because, you know, in 30 years of unschooling my children, the constant theme, Larry, was like, how are your children getting socialized? Well, the question I want to ask is, how are children getting socialized today in schools? Like, this is a completely distorted. If you think your children are getting socialized in cubicles and with masks on, then we we have to like, you know, it would be much more social <laughs> to keep them at home with people not seeing the mask on their face where they can't read any kind of facial expressions. So I, I love that you brought it up, but it's like a flipped conversation now. Like to me, if anyone talks about not being socialized in school, it's like anything is better than what these children are experiencing in these distorted educational, let's call that the schooling, because we're actually shifting the conversation from schooling, school, to actually educating our children. And so many parents think their back's against the wall. I want to just state, and you've said this before, Pam, this doesn't mean that you have to know chemistry to teach your children. We're talking about skills, life skills, schooling and educate, like moving from school where the idea of what our children need to learn to educating our children to actually know how to listen to their own intuition, their own wisdom and find that that that's the whole, you know, concept around unschooling. And why I chose to do that with my children was that they would find their own path. You know, it would be them listening to their own knowledge. And I think that that's what parents need to come back to doing as well. And we've been, as Christiane said on stage yesterday here in Utah, like there's generations of parents that have been dumbed down. And if anybody's just tuning in and learning about this kind of idea of unschooling, homeschooling, deschooling, I highly recommend John Taylor Gatto. He wrote the book Dumbing Down. Um, he was a New York Times, uh, New York school teacher a year. He won that school teacher year award multiple years. And he was sort of the one that really started talking and encouraging parents to homeschool their children coming from the educational system. Yeah. Yep. Money, I just want to, because you brought up something that I wanted to talk about really quickly. I think we, we, it is our job to start teaching parents how their children's develop. And if I, after watching my pediatric practice for so many years, parents have become accustomed to bestowing knowledge onto their kids by telling them things, by showing them things, by instructing them things. And that is how the state is operating. The state is operating by, you know, because we tell you. And so the parents are then going to the kids and saying, you now know because we tell you. And so what, what, what the brain development really needs to be uh, uh, faced with is the idea that we know because we experienced, not because we were told. And so the outside-in information is actually dumbing down the brain, but it's the actual experience of, you know, if you watch a toddler, a toddler will walk into a room and open cabinets, close cabinets, pull stuff down, uh, uh, play with things over and over and over again, because the experience is what gives the child the understanding of what real um, knowledge is. And so when you see a child who's two or three 
wanting to climb up on a chair and you say to the child, be careful. That's a conceptual idea that a child of two or three is never going to understand until the child gets up on the chair, slips and falls. And you know very well that that child's going to get back up because the child has to have the experience of learning, the knowledge of the experimentation, the trial and error, the soiling and the toiling, not just, oh, I have to be careful. Oh, maybe I won't do it then. Because the information can no longer come from an authority above or outside. It has to come from the toiling and the exploring. And we, I am trying desperately to retrain parents that if a child asks a question about something, you don't give the answer. You actually put it back on the child and say, I don't know, what do you think? So that you can watch the creativity of the child, the imagination, the storytelling, how the child comes to understand things that's through the child's eyes, not bestowing the world through the eyes of the parent so that the child then feels like, well, now the child knows the world. The child has to know the world through his or her eyes. And that's where education needs to come back to. Yeah, I love that you bring that into the conversation. And I think what set the tone for me, Larry, was I have my master's in early childhood education. Everything was based on children learning through play and exploring the world. So I think that's really what created that container. By the time I, I was pregnant with my first daughter, when I was just getting my master's and I decided by the time I got my degree that the educational system was nothing that I would ever put my children into. And so that sort of created that template for me. And I, I really want parents to be inspired through these conversations that we're going to have that um, we can make different choices and we can also be learning in the process the same time that our children are learning, that we don't have to know everything. But what's really important to know is what's happening right now with this kind of intentional psychological breakdown of not just our children, but our entire, all of humanity. And I think this is a good point to bring you in, Renette, with what you've been talking about with the seven generations and literally how we got here. We had a conversation on our clubhouse last week about this. So I think it's important for people. What When, when I had to, when I, you know, 10 years ago when I first wrote my book, kind of, I, I did it as a cathartic process to understand how we got here and how, why, why, how did we, how did this happen? Well, when you look at the history of schooling in America, there are two big reasons why they wanted to educate children. We have to think about this. And that was to uh, remove their originality and to ensure they would never dissent. So where are we today? Now they're, 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 they're bumping up that game and they're almost homogenizing the brains and the souls of children through these vaccinations. And so what's happened here in California was... Um, you know, we've been seeing the schools being shut down and so on. Well, this last school season, the school year, you know, this impacts the children. This this type of stress, right? This actually impacts them to the point where they actually use, they lose years on their life. So just this last school year, California school children lost over five million years of, of, of life. Five million, just California school children alone. And so what we've been doing here in California is we have a statewide campaign we're launching this week 
Um, it's really based upon the seventh generation principle, which actually uh, comes from the Six Nations of the Iroquois Confederacy, which actually is where our constitution comes from. And it really what it is, is that all the decisions we make today should serve seven generations from now while paying attention to the last seven generations to make sure we actually um, imbue that that wisdom of the last seven generations into the next seven generations to ensure that they have what we have today plus some. And so... What we have going on right now is a statewide campaign, and it's it's literally based upon the children. As Lee Dundas had said yesterday, I said, you know, they don't have a future. And Lee said, well, what do you mean they don't have a future? They don't have it today. And that's true. And let me tell you, as a former uh, city council member and mayor, I have seen the methodology with our state departments and with the schools and with the cities and so on. And what they do is they say, well, we're not going to do this. We're not going to enforce masks. We'll let the businesses make that decision. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to enforce vaccine passports. We'll let the businesses make that decision. Oh, and with the schools. Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, we're not going to enforce vaccinations. We'll let the parents decide. Oh, no. We'll let the children decide, but what they're not telling you is there is this mechanism behind that that is going to put on the most amazing social pressure. So, of course, every child, every person is going to capitulate because they don't have the backbone, right? They, the, the, that originality, right, and that, that ability to sense oneself and to, to have your own internal uh, understanding and intuition, right, um, and instincts has been removed from the education system. So here we're going to let them make the decision for themselves, but they don't know how to do that any longer. That's been removed through the school system. So we have this beautiful statewide campaign we're launching. It's all about the mama bear, waking up the mama bear. And it's about the seven generation principle. And that, that includes the precautionary principle, which means you don't do anything until you know if it's going to do harm or not. And that's within the school system. And so what we're really looking at too now is to actually bring back the, the, the local authority, the authority to the parents, authority to the school teachers, right? And I would say that the boards, but the boards are corrupt at this point as well. So it's really trying to give the power back to the teachers and back to the parents who know better than anybody else what their children need and what their children want. And to actually make sure that they have an education system that teaches them those basic skills, how to use their hands, like for instance, bringing back cursive writing, um, how to know yes, how to... Please. Yes, please. <laughs> how to repair things, how to make things, right? How to cook, how to sew. Yeah. I mean, these are the things that children do not, they go through 12 years life of education. Skills, like real life things. Yeah. They don't know how to do that. They don't know how to write a check. Are you kidding me? And we know this is, it's all about regurgitation. Do as I say, do as I say, and regurgitate. And we want to remove that completely, whether it's in the school system or at home or a school pod, it doesn't matter. So uh, this is something that we, we, we have to do this. We have no choice. If we don't do this, we've removed all, all future possibilities and opportunities for the children today. And we can do a lot better. So we are, we are challenging parents to make the difficult decisions and actually do the parenting. It's not a popular job. It's not about, a, it's not a popularity contest and it's difficult. And we're asking parents to, to, to jump, you know, take that leap of faith and do the right thing and pull the children out of the system that was set up to remove the originality and make sure that they did not have a voice or feel they actually have the right to have a voice. And so, um, so again, it's, uh, you know, it's about the seventh generation and we're going to wake that mama bear here in the state of California. Starting well, to Renette, you're going to wake the mama bear beyond California. Let's just be, let's just be clear about that. Well, we, we need to, we, we need to wake the mama bear around the whole entire planet, but yeah. I just think it's really important yeah. that people understand that, that this is, this is a, this is uh, all by design. Uh, this is the exact same methodology I've seen in the city council and, and 
and then the county level of like, right. we're, we're not going to force it, but they, they create this, this social pressure mechanism of social pressure that makes people feel like they have to do it anyway. And then what happens is the, is the school system, the government system can sidestep the responsibility and say, well, we didn't mandate it. We're not responsible. You have the choice, but there's no, there's no choice. They're actually creating this social mechanism that, that pressures you into doing exactly what they want. Right. And I love that you bring that perspective in. Um, Eric, I'm going to come back to you and then we'll close with Pam as far as you being a, both a parent and a doctor, but, um, and also involved in like the political thing, understanding what, what would you say for parents that there are areas where some of the schools, the people, parents are creating schools, number one, um, they're doing their own thing. And there's some places where you're navigating through the schools. You've had success in that. And there's other areas where I would absolutely say, do not put your child into that situation. What would you say for parents navigating through that to kind of determine where they are and what the next steps are? And yeah. Sorry. Uh, so Imani, great questions. I mean, one thing that I learned a long time ago that I teach my children is don't let school get in the way of your education. Uh, and just like all the other people that are on this call, we're all postgraduate educated people. We've, but you can't let school get in the way of your education. Um, so what I would, what I would encourage parents to, to first understand is, is that they have more, they have more ability and they have more responsibility than they even could imagine. Um, you know, here's the reality. It's like Einstein said, if you continue to do what you always done, you're going to continue to get what you've always gotten. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again and expecting a different result. So I would encourage every, every parent right now, you got to get, you got to join small groups. I think, I think small groups are the way to go. I think banding with, with other like-minded individuals saying, no, you know, we, we want to do this together. I love the idea. You know, Pam and I have spoken uh, off camera before about creating, you know, pods, creating communities, creating places where we can have a teacher come in or, you know, Hey, maybe today uh, my kids, cause my kids are all, all homeschool kids. Uh, my son uh, is, is going to a private high school, but my little girls are homeschooled. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll do education with us one day, then they'll go somewhere else and do some education with them. We'll bring in a teacher in every once in a while. There are ways to do this. And if we keep going in the direction that we're going, we're going to keep the same result we've got. And, and it's not working out very well for anyone. I mean, right now, if you look at kids, you know, suicide is up 60% in some states for children. That's not okay. You know, uh, depression, anxiety, you know, loneliness, it, the, the statistics are so high and the system right now is failing our children. And if we can't recognize that as a parent, I mean, come on, that's the biggest problem. And, you know, the reality is this, is that is that our limiting beliefs are really what's causing this to happen. You know, everybody's got empowering beliefs and limiting beliefs. So many people think I can't homeschool my kid. I can't have a, a, a socially developed child if I don't put him in the system. That's your limiting beliefs. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I have the same limiting beliefs. I didn't realize that there was so much possibility and so much abundance and so much freedom. I mean, I literally now see my little girls, they're, they're excelling in areas where they weren't before when they were in the school system. And you know what else they get? They don't just get an IQ, but they're getting an EQ. They're seeing what life is all about. And to me, those are the children that are going to take over the world because unfortunately, and I don't mean this to be offensive. This is a terminology that I use with a lot of people. There are a lot of useful idiots in the world and a lot of useful idiots are educating more 
and reproducing more useful idiots. And we've got to stop that. And we got to start empowering the people and empowering our kids. I love what Larry said. It goes back to the quality of your life is in a direct proportion to the quality of the questions you ask yourself and ask other people. Um, you know, anymore now when my kids ask me a question, I'm asking them two or three questions and mm-hmm. and seeing the process and seeing them come up with a with a you know logic and and reason, it's really it's amazing. So I just would encourage parents to join groups. You know, you can do this, and we together, we the people can do this. We've got to be able to take back what's rightfully ours and and being able to free the mind is going to be step number one. I love it, Eric, totally about getting outside of the box and um, past our limiting beliefs, especially as parents who are taking back our children's education. This um, We the People series is going to be continuing on, and a couple of people are asking, loving what everyone's sharing here. It will be on earthheroestv.com, so we'll have that link up, and please share this wide and far. Pam, I'm going to close with you because we're uh, just coming to the end here, but to share the resources and I'll put up there makeamericansfreeagain.com where you guys are actually giving resources and um, support to families who are taking back um, their children's education. Yes, and we are, we're gearing up the machine. All right, so I'll give out my personal email, hampopper.msn.com. You send me an email and if you're a parent, if you're a, if you're a teacher, retired teacher, um, a um, uh, you know, if you have skills in this area, you know, one of the nice things when you get outside of the skill of the school environment is experts in fields can teach your children who don't have a teaching certificate. And we could argue that some of these people are better qualified to teach some of these subjects, right? So if you have anything to contribute to this, send me an email at pampopper.msn.com. But what we want to do is we 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 started the the um, the weekly group meetings uh, almost a year ago. Our anniversary is next month, actually. Kind of exciting. And we saw the power of a group of people getting together in a community in the same room and plotting and planning how to get our freedoms back, how to save our local businesses and that sort of thing. And that's what we have to do to save our children, essentially. We've got to get a lot of people together in the same area so that they can do what Eric's talking about. You know, if I had children at home right now, I have a flexible schedule so I can stay home on Monday and the kids meet at my house. I have a big building here. We can, and we've, I've made it clear to everybody, you can have, you can drop kids off here to do their work during the day and be supervised by staff if it's if it's necessary we we if we all put our minds together our heads together we can come up with solutions that allow parents to have jobs and and to work around busy schedules there's no obstacle americans can't overcome if they band together put their heads and their resources together we can do this. So um, we're going to launch our program right after the 4th of July. We're going to do conference calls every day if we need to, to help parents understand what their options are. We have private coaches who will one-on-one help parents with whatever their challenges are. And our goal is to make sure that every parent who is looking for an alternative can find one with us. We will find a way to make it happen. And um, I'm excited about this. And I'm always the girl who sees the silver lining in the cloud, you know? And sometimes I think that we've talked about reform and education. My whole adult life, we've been talking about reform. Anybody here ever seen any reform? I haven't, it gets worse every year. Here we're going to get some reform because they blew up the system and now we get to build it from scratch. So let's not squander this fabulous opportunity we have to really make a future that's much better for our kids than where they're living right now. Absolutely. Go ahead. It's actually time to to have the education system actually make better humans. 
mm-hmm. not and not to remove their humanity. That's what's been happening. We've been removing their humanity through the education system. It's now time to make it actually so that they're they're making better humans. Absolutely. Um, and I know Lee what Lee Dennis was supposed to be in here. She's out on the road having a hard time getting in. I know she would touch on the human rights aspect of this and what's going down. But this is just the first of many conversations. We're going to bring in others from um, our mastermind group. Uh, this will be up on EarthHeroesTV.com as well as the Momolution podcast, which is at Momolution.com. And this is, I feel, like I said in the beginning, one of the most important conversation that we can be having um, right now as we, the people, take back our lives and reclaim our sovereignty. So thank you, Pam, Larry, Eric, Renette, um, for just sharing, but also your commitment to the children and for truth. And I appreciate you all so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>